right, welcome back to a serious series of utmost importance. The series. What do we do on this I'm show, a host Tom? The show. My name is Tom. Oh right. What's your name? My name is Tom. What's I'm your Neil. Name? All right. We're doing great at this. Yeah, just shaking off a little rust. What are we the premise of this show is that we group anything into a series and then we talk about it. And in this episode, of course, we're going to be talking about the illustrious works of Biz Marquis. Oh, uh, that's so sad. It is sad. R.I.P. You know, when I was listening to his stuff the day after he died, obviously he has just a friend. But he has a lot of stuff with the Beastie Boys also. Oh, really? And he has a live cover with the Beastie Boys of Benny and the Jets by Elton John. And he does not know any oh of the God. words. Is it good? It's one of the most amazing things I've ever heard. He doesn't know any of the words? Yeah, he doesn't know any of the words. Oh, I'm going to check that out. I think it's my most played song heard. of the last few know. weeks. Oh, I don't know anything of him besides She's Just a Friend, but that's such a great song. You know, I heard at one point, like, I don't think it's a cover, that song, but it's, there's some thing where, like, he sampled it, but this was early hip-hop when sampling wasn't necessarily that big and i think he is not allowed to make any money off of that song or was not allowed to which is kind of sad um because of like copyright laws and lawsuits and stuff it's not right oh man free biz i don't like it all right what are we actually talking about today tom uh but we're actually talking about uh this is actually part one in a two-part series of the black keys versus the white stripes in my head i think i refer to this as the piano feud yeah the piano feud this is the first time we've done anything like this where we like put two bands head to head yeah there's not a lot of good musical feuds are there not like between groups i don't know I don't even know if this is considered a good musical feud. I think it's just a disagreement between a couple of guys who have, I think, similar styles of music. Also, how much is it a feud versus one guy just being a really angry person and the other guy being like, dude, what's your problem? I think for the purposes of our podcast episode, it counts as a feud. (laughs) It's a feud. We're really going to hype this up. So part one of this is going to be focusing on the Black Keys. Yep. And part two will be uh, obviously White Stripes and Jack White in general. And maybe we'll touch on Meg White's personal life post Black Keys. What she's been up to. Oh, I actually have never thought of that since their breakup. I actually looked it up. There's nothing. (laughs) We just covered it all. (laughs) All right. So the Black Keys. So like... So I guess teeing it all up, I mean, both bands, two per two people, right? Essentially. Drummer, guitar player slash singer. Blues, I guess, influenced, heavy blues influenced. Kind of similar time that they came around. Yeah, very like garagey and bluesy. Garage, yeah. Um, I don't know. Oh, and they're both like from the Midwest. I think the Black Keys are from Ohio. And yes. I think the White Stripes are from Detroit, right? Yeah. Uh, Jack White was born in Detroit. And then Dan Auerbach, who is the guitarist and singer for the Black Keys, and Patrick Carney, who's the drummer, they're both from Akron, Ohio. Right. Home of LeBron James. Uh, all right. How do you, uh, do you like the Black Keys? You into them? Yeah, I think they're pretty good. I definitely listened to them a lot more after after Brothers in 2010, which was, I think, their big breakthrough album. Definitely. But in recent years, I've listened to some of their earlier stuff and some of their less Danger Mouse produced stuff, which all has sort of that early 2010s rock oh. sound, which is a great sound but it's very reminiscent of other bands of that time. And then their other stuff, their earlier stuff and their more recent stuff has a lot less, it feels a lot less polished to me. I don't know. 
which is not a, not in a negative way. The earlier, right? Yeah, not in a negative way. Just Definitely. in like a, it's this is. I hear that this is the same it's band. Like lo-fi. Yeah, I hear that this is the same band, but I like a very different version of that band. But I think they're really good. I do like them a lot. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Brothers is so amazing, and I think I think I knew a little bit about them before that, but it was kind of like you know five or six songs. To be honest, like I still know those songs the best from their earlier days, but. Yeah, Brothers was amazing. Definitely, like, that was way more polished and studio and um, less I think that, I think that they're a lot more rock stuff. I think that they're a lot less easy to listen to than the White Stripes, though. And in that, by that I mean prepping for this episode, I was listening to a lot of Black Keys stuff you know, on this drive yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I was playing their albums chronologically, and uh, my fiance was in the car with me, and she was listening to these early Black Keys albums. It's like, what the hell is this? This is awful. Yeah, because it's kind of slow, right? I mean, the earlier stuff is slow, and it's really like a lot of blues stuff. Yeah, and then I played like their more popular stuff, and she was like, oh. Wait, I've heard this. They're pretty good. Yeah. So that's that sort of goes along with like this is two bands. Yeah. Definitely. Although at the same time like they just had this cover album that's all like blues stuff. So So, you know, let's let's do should we do their albums like in order then or okay. Yeah, let's do it. So they formed in 2001. Both dropped out of the University of Akron because they realized that they wanted to make music, which, you know, that's a classic rock band origin story. <laughs> yeah. It's a good, good story. They're both like seemingly really cool guys. Like, yeah, they yeah. seem really nice. Um, Especially in the, compa- <laughs> in comparison to their foil of Jack White. Yeah. He's just kind of an angry guy, but they seem really cool. Dan Auerbach, kind of a quiet guy. Patrick Carney, actually very funny. Like, I don't know if you ever heard him, but I heard him on a podcast a couple years ago. I was like, damn, this guy is, like, I could listen to him talk, like, all day, surprisingly. You know, I did hear him on a podcast, too, actually. Um, It was the Song Exploder podcast. Ooh. And they were breaking down the BoJack Horseman theme song. (laughs) Oh, wow. He made with his uncle, Ralph. Um, That's amazing. So the first album is in 2002. It's called The Big Come Up. And I had not listened to this until this week. Yeah, I think same thing. I I feel like I always thought I had, but I didn't know any of the songs. I didn't know there was a cover of the the Beatles on here. I was about to say, you didn't know any of the songs? She said, she said. Yeah, I when I was first listening to it, I was like, huh, this is very Beatles-ish. This is like not what I was expecting based on the rest of this album. And then yeah. I was like, wait, wait, this this is the Beatles. Literally is. The next one on that, the Them Eyes, also gave me Beatles vibes, but I don't know if it's actually Beatles-ish or if it's just because it was right after she said, she said. Yeah. What is really, I think, the most interesting song on this album is called 240 Years Before Your Time. Mm. It's the last song, the 23-minute song that only has a minute and 39 seconds of audio and has the rest of it is basically silent. At 21 minutes and 41 seconds, it comes back. 23-minute track that the majority of it is silent. Is that... I feel like I've heard other songs like that, and although that's a really long time, <laughs> like 20 minutes... But is that like if you had a record? And granted, this came out in 2002. So everyone was listening to CDs at that point. But if you had a record, that would be like a secret track if you just kept it going, right? And then... I don't know how that would work. Because like, you'd have to have 20 minutes of silence on the record. I mean, if you weren't like actively listening, you could be like, 
Oh, I guess. Yeah, it would freak me out if like uh, nothing was going on for 20 minutes and then suddenly there's just this <laughs> weird like guitar sounds. I think my record player was possessed. Yeah. Um, There's a Beatles song that does that though, but it's not for 20 minutes. It's like for two minutes. Um, is that is that the one on the... Is that A Day in the Life? Yeah. I didn't think to play this song backwards, but I wonder if there's a, a hidden message as well. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. It's probably just like Jack White is a jerk. Yeah. I mean, by all accounts, these guys are like kind of like most bands you would expect, like big music nerds. So I wouldn't be surprised if they covered the Beatles in the album, if they had some satanic messages, if you listen to them backwards. This album was recorded in Patrick Carney's basement, like a bunch of their first albums. <laughs> And it was recorded using microphones they got off of eBay. That's impressive. In that sense, early Black Keys are very similar to current Serious Series episode productions. Yeah, that's true. Maybe we should do an episode where we just don't talk for 20 minutes and then come back to it. But pretend like we just had a conversation for 20 minutes. I think that would really only help our listener count. Yeah, that's true. I think we're avant-garde. Yeah, we could like... We could rebrand ourselves as like, you know, kind of like white noise focus, focus uh, podcast put on while you're working. We are lo-fi beats to study to. Yeah. Um, there's also, I mean, you know, we already mentioned the Beatles stuff, but there's a lot of, there's a good number of cover songs on here, which I guess is kind of. Oh, on the first album? Yeah, I'm just looking, and a lot of them, like there's a song by Muddy Waters, a few other blues singers. Oh yeah, um, Do the Rump is by Junior Kimbrough. Yeah. He'll come back later in another Good name. <laughs> covers thing that they did. Yeah. Um, okay, so 2002 was Big Come Up, and then next album... Thick Freakness. ...was the following year. What do you think of this album? I... So first of all, I thought I knew it a lot better than I did because I just remember the name of the album. And then when I went into it, I was like, oh yeah, I actually don't really know these songs at all. I, I feel like I've tried to get into it multiple times and it like never clicked for me. But I want to continue to do that. I don't know. I listened to it again for the first time this week. And it was just kind of forgettable. I was listening to it, and I didn't notice that I was listening to it. It was over. Mm -hmm. I was right. doing a bunch of work on the side, so. I don't know. Sometimes there are song, I mean, albums that take a while. Um, and, like, you got to listen to it in the right mindset. I feel like a lot of these early, but I was going to say that, I would think that that would be a good thing. <laughs> like a less active listening. But you know what? There was one song on it that uh, I think I really liked, and that was the cover of Have Love, Will Travel. Oh, okay. Richard Berry. Mm -hmm. Very cover prolific band, which I didn't realize until prepping for this episode. Yeah. I guess it's like homage to all the blues stuff. You yeah. know... As much as people, I'll just touch on it, but I feel like there's a lot of comparison between the White Stripes and Black Keys, and I kind of get it, but also, like, they're not that similar. They're not that similar, but, like, this early stuff, it's easier to make the one-to-one -one comparisons when they're both still active. Like, White Stripes are coming out with stuff around this time as well. Yeah. And they're both sort of grungy, bluesy. Right. Maybe the White Stripes are a little harder. Yeah, but I also feel like the White Stripes have tighter songs that are, you know, like two minutes and it's like super tight and the Black Keys feel like a lot less tight. They're just like, oh, it's more like the mood, at least with these early ones. Then I think that totally changed like later, um, but I think they're kind of different early on. Actually, that's a that's a great point. Their songs are more rambling, but not in a bad way. Yeah, right. That's just their style. 
Okay, after... Um, I, I will say, I do like the album cover. Oh, what's the album cover? It's a little disturbing, but uh, it's a guy putting his fingers into, like, some thick freak. I don't really know what, <laughs> what it is. What is thick freakness? I don't know, but I like it. Pomade. Want to know some trivia? <laughs> yeah, tell me. Trivia from this album. The song Set You Free was on the soundtrack of the 2003 film School of Rock. Really? Yeah. I don't remember that at all. And there was another uh, Junior Kimbrough cover on this album, again. Everywhere I Go. Ah. You know, that song Set You Free, it was also in the movie I Love You, Man. Great movie. After Thick Freakness, they had an EP, which I didn't know about. Oh. The Six Part Seven slash The Black Keys EP. All right. That's all I have to say about that because I never listened to it. I was going to say, I totally missed that one. Six parts, seven. Okay, and then, so we're in like 2003, 2004 now? Yeah. Had another EP in 2004 <laughs> called The Moan. I guess that's just a single, actually. The Moan. Is that like from that uh, movie with Samuel L. Jackson? Black Snake Moan? No. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like it could fit in, right? <laughs> Seems like it could, but I don't think so. I think it was just... A single that they released, and the B-side was Have Love, Will Travel. Okay, okay. And get into... Then we start getting into their third album, which I think is when they start being... The first two albums were good, but I think this is when they start being great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's... They've kind of like... Oh, damn! <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this after, but... Um the uh yeah i agree like this is um they kind of got there it was like a little more put together um also a great al- album i'll also admit it's one of those where i was like ah, i know this i know this one and then i uh realized this week i actually don't know it at all um can i just uh tell you a fun fact about this the song When the Lights Go Out, guess what movie it was used in? Um, I have no idea. Give me a hint. I'll give you a hint. It was uh, just mentioned like two minutes ago. Oh, School of Rock or I Love You, Man? No, Black Snake Moan. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I would never have guessed yeah, that. That's crazy. Uh, also, I don't think we said the name of this album. It's Rubber Factory and it's named after Akron. Ah, uh, yes, Rubber Factory. Because Akron was known as, like, a big rubber city. Yep. Rubber Factory. Um, I'll say 10 a.m. Automatic is just one of the best songs I've ever heard. Was it a song you knew before? You know what happened, actually? You know how I discovered this album was a few years ago, after I got a record player, my cousin sent me, like, a record on my birthday, and it was this album by the Black Keys, like, huh, I mean, I, I got to listen to it. So I did. I just kept the needle back onto 10 a.m. automatic for the start, and it was just, it, it re- really got into my ah. ears. That and Stack Shot Billy. Stack Shot Billy, okay. Interesting. I mean, yeah, there's, they still have, like, covers at this point, too, which is. What are the covers on this one? I guess they were still kind of doing that. So grown, grown so ugly, which is like another blues cover, and it can be heard during the party scene in the movie Cloverfield. Oh, well, this is like yeah. a blast from the past on <laughs> movies from being in middle school. Um, but yeah, they also cover Ray Davies from The Kinks. So kind of back to that British invasion vibe. Mm. Their next album is Magic Potion in 2008. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, wait, sorry. Their next album is is the EP Chulahoma, The Songs of Junior Kimbrough, which I did not know was a yeah. covers album either. I thought we were going to skip over this one. Did you listen to it? I'd, I'd listened to this before, like years before, because uh-huh. Have Mercy on Me is... Uh, one of the ones 
that uh, like just another one of their songs that I really liked. I did not realize that was a cover. Damn. Okay, so would you? I mean, I didn't listen to this one. Would you recommend it, or at but least that one song? It's it's, it's okay. definitely "Have Mercy on Me," and um, it's not that long of an album, I think. Yeah, that's. Like and the last song is a thirty-second oh, yeah. voicemail by Junior Kimbra's <laughs> widow telling Dan Auerbach how proud she is of the Black Keys covers and how much they sound like uh, like Junior. Nice. I mean, I don't think Jack White ever got anything like that, right? Jack White would have. He probably like sits sits in bed at night dreaming of like getting recognition from musicians that he respects, but instead yeah. he just fights them in bars. This is really turning into like really negative uh, discussion of Jack White. Like, love Jack White also. <laughs> <laughs> I did too. Um, then we're in Magic Potion, right? Yeah, Magic Potion. Um, interest. I mean. This one has probably like some of the lowest reviews of any of their albums. But I also feel like this is where they kind of started to transition, don't you think? Into a little, a little more yeah, um, mainstream stuff. Yeah, I don't think that they liked this album either. Like, oh, really? Yeah, so in an interview with NPR Patrick Carney said that this was their major label debut and they recorded it in their basement on like $5,000 worth of crappy equipment we paid $350 to get it mastered took it home and there was like no bass on it (laughs) we just dropped it in a FedEx envelope mailed it to Warner Brothers and we're done with it of all the things we've done that's my biggest regret is that we just kind of were like oh okay I guess you can just do that you could just uh, kind of half-ass it sometimes. Yes. Yeah, but your touch is a good song. Yeah, I was gonna say this was the that was like the first like chronologically at least that was like the first song I really liked of them that I played a lot. Um, yeah, that was a great one. Uh, the cover is Aver- Fabergé egg. I always thought that was kind of weird. Hmm. I agree that it's weird. Um, I'm just noticing they're they. Must have made a lot of money from all of the commercials and movies that use their song during this time. Because, like, a lot of... Okay, so your touch... Apparently it was used in Zombieland. Eastbound and Down in the trailer for Battleship. Battleship. Great movie. I'm just kidding. I've never seen it. Uh, in Entourage... And then MLB Baseball 2K10. And then I looked at this other one and it was in like this NHL video game. So they, I think they did well for themselves. And like, is that why they, that's why the cover is now Fabergé? Yeah. Um, Okay, so then 2000, that was 2006? Yeah. Four albums in, two EPs in, and then I think they start working with Danger Mouse. On this one? Next, Next one, one, Attack and Release. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, this is a great this is a great one. There's some really good songs on here. Oh my god, yeah. I I don't think I, I didn't re listen to this one for the episode because I, I think I knew it so intrinsically already. But mm-hmm. I got mine, Strange Time, Psychotic Girl. Lies. That'd be one yeah. of the best like three song suites in an album. Yeah. Yeah, and this it all still, except maybe Strange Times, but was like really still like blues oriented. But it was kind of like in a way that anyone could get into it. Um, yeah, this was like amazing. I feel like when I first heard these songs, it just, it's going to sound dumb, but it just kind of blew my mind. Like I'd never really heard anything like that, especially. Like nothing like modern kind of like this they said um, it was the first time that they hired an outside producer to work on a record oh so they self-produced everything before i guess yeah interesting and danger mouse he was he's pretty solid yeah he did a lot of he did a lot of like rock stuff around this time right guess what video game strange times was featured in all right give me a hint um 
and let's go bowling. All right, the uh, Grand Theft Auto. Yep. Five, four. Roman. Great, great game. Roman. <laughs> um. Lose our Eastern European demographic. I think they appreciate it. <laughs> and also, that's all we have. Okay. Yeah, this was, I mean, great songs. I would add Lies to that list that you like. I don't think I... Oh, um, I think Lies is pretty good, yeah. Four great songs in a row. It's got to be one of the best four-song suites uh, in any album. I think so. After 2007, we are into 2009. Very interesting year. Yeah. I didn't know about this at all until you told me about it. When you think of, when you think of Rockefeller records like the producers what do you think of um jay-z wrong yeah well yes jay-z <laughs> but also think of damon dash who oh. co-founded it with jay-z and who damon made dash. this album called black rock with the black keys oh. and it's the black keys and a bunch of hip-hop collaborators you have most deaf ludicrous very early, very 2009 hip-hop. Um, yeah. You have RZA, Raekwon, Old Dirty Bastard. So all oh, these wow. Wu-Tang Clan members. He was still alive? I, um, I think he... It might have... Yeah, he was on this. I'm not sure when he passed away in comparison to like the production of it. Interesting. He died in 2004. Then, so I don't know what the heck happened. Yeah. Oh, so it must have been... Maybe it was archival. Maybe footage. it was like... Uh, Maybe it was artificial intelligence that put his voice back together. Yeah, I think all of these uh, scientists in 2009, most of the country's resources were on creating a, uh, an artificial version of Old Dirty Bastard. Okay, the, um, some really good songs on this, but the best song I'd say is Ain't Nothing Like You. Okay. Yes. With uh, most stuff. I'm going to check this out. So what is it like? I mean, are they just playing the drums and bass or like where do the black keys come in? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think they, they don't sing at all. Okay. They, they don't sing at all. I think they're just doing the music. Right. That makes sense. This song reminds me a lot of the roots. I think that makes sense. Cause they, uh, the Roots and the Black um, Keys okay. sort of knew each other peripherally. And like the Black Keys performed at the Roots Music Festival the year before producing this album and stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, also, this was charted at number seven on U.S. Billboard rap albums. It's pretty impressive. Um, this is really cool. I'm going to check it, check it out. I had no idea. I mean, is it still like kind of bluesy? The music? Or is it hip hop? No, no. I, I think it's hip hop over the black keys. It's like if someone rapped over, okay, studio. So that's what black I mean. Keys. Like the, the music itself is kind of still like blues ish. I guess as blues as okay. they're getting on Attack and Release. Blues rock. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And then in 2010, they moved to Nashville. Which is where oh. their friend lived. Oh. I think... So that's when he got really mad. So they, the, the White Stripes were broken, up at, that broken point. up at that point. But Jack White, 2010 is when the Black Keys versus White Stripes feud is said to have started. Although Jack White was probably angry for years before that. He was probably jealous, honestly. He was probably jealous. Because, well, come on. There's nothing as good as the White Stripes that he did after that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I know you. The white stripes are pretty damn good. I listened to all of his like side stuff, but I, I agree that there's nothing that hits yeah. the white stripes level. And this, I um, I feel like this is like their brothers? best album. 2010. Brothers. Yeah. Like, I feel like this is their peak. Might be right. What's what songs are on this? Uh, Tighten Up, Everlasting Light, Next Girl, Howlin' for You. Um, Finisher Kid is good. Unknown Brother. Yeah. I think, I think you might be right. This might be their best album. 
said tighten up was on this yeah that might be this might be peak black keys you know what i take back my preceding sentence i think that their next album is their best album oh interesting um can i just add one fun fact i heard about this album on like a podcast with they're on so i think they won a grammy for it and the cover which is like just a black cover and it says that this is an album by the black keys the name of this album is brothers so i think it was patrick carney's brother um designed the cover and he won best he won grammy for best album cover but he actually won it like an hour before they won the grammy so his brother actually won a grammy before they did which i think is kind of funny it is a really (laughs) great album cover it is a great album it's very memorable um all right you want to move to el camino your favorite or el camino i think so danger mouse is still producing all of their stuff at this point and they have the song they have some classic songs on this they have lonely boy yeah which i don't know if you remember the video i do remember it it's a guy dancing it's just like an old guy it's just a guy dancing around yeah gold on the ceiling i think i'll put my money down here and i'll say that little black submarines is my favorite black keys song oh i think it's pretty damn good I always feel like it's longer than it actually is because it feels like one of those classic rock songs where it's, you know, multiple parts, kind of like, I don't know, Stairway to Heaven, but better. feels to me like a rock version of Dance Yourself Clean by LCD Sound System, oh. where it's just, it's like a slow, I know what you mean. Uh, slow. moody introspective song and it just becomes heavier and yeah and there's that one part in the middle where you're like oh my god yeah it's like whatever the rock equivalent of letting the bass drop is ah man i feel like i'm getting goosebumps just like thinking about how great that part i i do agree like this is this is one of my favorite songs i'm not sure if it's my favorite i think it's my favorite on this album for sure but this album is really damn good. And it's... I always felt like it was pretty different from everything yeah. else that they'd done before. Different than Brothers? Yeah. To me, it's less... Mm-hmm. It's like a, definitely a step away yeah. from the blues stuff, where Brothers kind of still has that. Um, and maybe it's just because there's like Gold on the Ceiling and Lonely Boy that are like just kind of like seem like more straightforward rock um yeah this is really great i mean even the other songs on it are really solid i think like run right back sister hell of a season but i think at this time this was 2011 Mm -hmm. i think that the White Stripes were still together at this time, officially. Like, they hadn't released an album. Oh. 2011 is when the White Stripes officially announced that they had broken up. When did Icky Thump come out? 2007. Damn, so they were just... I mean, they probably toured after that. Yeah, I think they did a tour, and then, like, they weren't producing anything, so everyone just assumed they were working on their next album. But and then he they, was doing other yeah, stuff. He had always been, like, doing his other stuff. Like, uh, I think Rack on Tours was in 2006 or something. Yeah. Um, and then 2012. The Black Keys don't have an album from El Camino until Turn Blue in 2014. But in 2012, this Jack White Black mm-hmm. Keys feud is heating up a bit. And Jack White bans Dan Auerbach from entering his Nashville studio. And then in 2013. What? I mean, was he ever going to go in there? <laughs> I don't know. And then in 2013, Jack White is getting a divorce, and during court, <laughs> during court, his private emails are like on display, and there's an email in there that is talking about how angry he is 
that his kids are at the same school as Dan Auerbach's kids. And he oh, says man. that this guy has free reign to follow me to follow me around and copy me and push himself into my world. I mean let's just be honest, like they both live in Nashville, that's fine. They're both probably some of the richest guys in Nashville, so they probably just send them to the same school. It's like probably like a really expensive prep school. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that later, like <laughs> in a twenty fourteen right interview for carney is like oh well you know yeah that was mean but it was also private emails and that would suck to like have your private emails revealed to the world because of like court and so patrick carney's cool with it and then dan Auerbach says it's especially surprising because i don't know jack white i just don't get it like i don't know dan Auerbach seems like a really quiet guy just minds his own business but i mean who knows Maybe there's some history. So do you want to know what Jack White does immediately after the Black Keys like, are like, no, man, it's cool in the public sphere? Yeah. He has a Rolling Stone cover story in which he says Black Keys are like the kids at school who dress like everybody else because they don't know what else to do. And there are musicians like that, too. Oh, my God. So stupid. Uh, all right. So then we're into back to their music. <laughs> we're in 2014 and we are at Turn Blue. I think this is a very underrated album. I think definitely top three covers of the Black Keys albums. Hmm. Yeah. It's really hypnotic. Um, I think it's... I I really like this album a lot. I mean, it, it's it's probably, to be honest, it's probably the album I can listen to straight through the easiest i just feel like it really flows well i think it's the album that has the most individual songs that i like oh really gotta get away weight of love blue fever yeah 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 bullet in the brain um i don't think i remember 10 lovers little sneaker song on there check it out um Way to Love is really damn good, too. Oh, yeah. It has that same sort of slow build-up, but it sort of stays slow, but it's heavy and slow at the same time. Kind of like Little Black Submarine. But it doesn't have that... Does it have, like, that drop, sort of? No, it doesn't. But you're right. Like, it's heavy with the guitar, and it's just, like... Yeah. It's kind of just, like, overbearing the whole time. Um, Yeah, this is a great freaking album. Gotta get away is an amazing album closer. Which what I don't even remember how it goes. Oh yeah, yeah, I do know. We can overlay this with the actual song on Spotify. Um any song that mentions Kalamazoo just automatically goes higher in my book. Yeah. Gotta ask you a serious question. <laughs> Where is Kalamazoo? Mm-hmm. Um, Missouri. I have no way of fact-checking you on that. That's a guess. You know what Pitchfork gave this? You know what uh, Pitchfork gave this? Did they give it? 5.8. Pitchfork, and pardon my French, are doo-doo heads. <laughs> I think they were just taking Jack White's side and... I don't know. They probably, like, they probably needed, you know, they had just given, like, a 7.8 to the last six albums. And like, we got to change it up here. You know, that actually is something Pitchfork now, so. would do. Let's give them a 5.8. Um, after Turn Blue, they are on a short hiatus from, I yeah. think, until 2017. Five years. Oh. You mean they're, like, not doing anything? Well, they're doing individual stuff. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Dan Auerbach like, has his own. Dan Auerbach has solo. has two solo albums. He did his second oh, like, one during this right. time. Um, and he also formed a second band called The Arcs in, that released their debut album in 2015. And I didn't know that until mm-hmm. prepping for this episode. It's pretty good. Um, I just listened to a few songs off of it. 
It's slightly more, I want to say, electronic than the Black Keys. Not, not too much, so. But it's pretty good. Is it like Tom York's? <laughs> no, not. Uh, not to that level. Solo stuff. Um, okay. And then he also produced albums for The Pretenders and Cage the Elephant. That's awesome. Patrick Carney during this was producing some stuff, and he the theme song to Bojack Horseman with his yeah. uncle Ralph Carney, which is great. Great song. It is great. I did listen to it. And it's amazing how great both the shortened version is. Did you, I mean, did you watch the show Bojack Horseman? No, I didn't. One, I think you'd really vibe with it. And then two, this yeah. short like version that they used for the theme song, which is only like 30 or 40 seconds, it has like a complete musical arc. I was surprised that there was this four and a half minute version that is also that's also like a complete thing. I feel like normally when you take a long song and you compress it down for a theme song, right. you're always listening to the short version and being like, uh, "Yeah, I want like the full version." Uh, this they feel like both complete entities in their own sense. That's interesting. I mean, I guess they wrote it for the song, but they're like, "Yeah, let's do like a full one too and make them both good." I guess. Well, no, they wrote, so they wrote it actually, and this is all from that Song Exploder episode, which I highly recommend. Oh. Um, they, Patrick, sorry, Ralph Carney had this like beat, I think, um, and Patrick, yeah, and Patrick Carney like helped him complete it. And then producers wanted a song and they submitted that. It's written separately and then used for Bojack Horseman. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. And it just happened to work really well. And you know what else happened uh, around this time? What? Patrick Carney is at a bar in New York City, and Jack White comes up and tries to fight him. Oh, my God. What happened? And this is like a really public Twitter fight. Um, so Patrick Carney then tweets about it the next day, and then Jack White tweets him back and is like, no one tried to fight you, Patrick. You were asked a question, and you couldn't answer it, and then you walked away. So they're like high school girls at this point. Yeah. I think, like, I don't know. I mean, I can see that. Like, Patrick Carney, he's gotten into a lot of Twitter fights, right? Like, he, yeah, he has. He's kind of confronta- He like I think he enjoys that kind of confrontation and likes to call people out on their shit or whatever. Like, I think he got into a Twitter fight with Justin Bieber or something at one point. Is he? I think it was mainly his fault. I don't think Justin Bieber did anything. Oh my god, that you, you just built our yeah. That's our next episode after this uh, Jack White one, Patrick Carney versus yeah, here Justin we go. Bieber. Carney, Justin Bieber Twitter. Yeah. So, and all of the believers got like started Bur- fighting Carney, and. Um, yeah, he fought back against like all of Patrick Carney's Twitter followers called. Are they called nice. like Carnivores or Carnies? <laughs> they're yeah, they're just Carnies, like a carnival guy. Um, also during this time, Patrick Carney gained like a lot of weight. Oh, the weight of love. They're trying to fat shame. Yeah, it's the weight of love. But um, I just remember like seeing their next album and seeing him play. I'm like, wait, what happened? <laughs> He's huge. But I don't, I, I still love him just as much. I would say that this little mini hiatus hurt them. You think so? Yeah, it hurt them in the sense that in 2017, when they came out with Let's Rock, it was a good album. But I don't think it reached mm-hmm. the same heights as those previous ones. I don't think so. I mean, when it came out, I really liked it a lot. And I listened to it a lot. But now that more time has passed, yeah, it's solid. But yeah, you're, you're exactly right. It doesn't reach the same heights. Um, and it's more like kind of short, tight songs that are pretty good but they're just not as i don't know 
Not as deep, man. It has low, high, eagle, birds, and go were the singles yeah. from this. They're all pretty good, but they all feel somewhat more, somewhat more like their early stuff in that it's disposable almost and like easy listening, easy listening. It just yeah. doesn't grab my attention the same way that their middle stuff, like the, the, I want to say attack and release through turn blue did. Yeah. This just felt too polished. I don't know. Yeah, this still had like a little more rawness than this. Yeah. I, it kind of did. Um, it's definitely like mainstream for sure. And they just kind of are that. But um, I mean, I thought it was good. Solid song. Do you think? Do you think the song "Firewalk with Me" is about Twin Peaks? <laughs> I was just gonna ask you that. Yes, I do. I mean, how? What else? Like this? It can't be a coincidence. Do you know what the? Do you want to know the story behind this album cover and name? Yes. In 2018, the first electric chair execution in their state happened. It was the execution of an inmate named Edmund Zagorski. Sorry, it wasn't the first electric chair execution ever. It was the first one in a while. Um, so the last words of this guy, Edmund Zagorski, were, let's rock. That's awesome. And that's why that's the name of the album, and that's why the album cover <laughs> the is an electric chair. chair. Yeah. Now, that's interesting, because I don't know what Zagorski did that got him on death row, but presumably it was know. something pretty terrible. Let's find out. Edmund Zagorski. Well, he's a convicted murderer. He lured two men into a wooded hunting ground under the pretense of selling them 100 pounds of marijuana before shooting them and slitting their throats. And he was the first inmate executed by electrocution in almost six years in the U.S. in 2018. But, you know, it's not... Uh... Ah. And he had a sweet album named after him. I feel like they shouldn't have named the album after a convicted murderer. <laughs> Well, it wasn't named after him. It wasn't about him. It was about his last words. What message that sends? Let's rock. Um, it's that if you... I know where you're going. <laughs> all right, all right. I won't say anything. All right, and then 2021, they, I feel like they surprise released this album because I didn't know they had come out with another album until... I had no idea. And it was, yeah, Delta Cream. Yeah. Back to their kind of roots. It's a lot of covers. A lot of Junior Kimbrough covers, in fact. I listened to the whole thing through. Probably it was pretty good. It reminded me a lot of their early stuff. Yeah. Because it's covers of this, these things that influenced them to form a band. Um, I didn't listen to the whole thing. I listened to probably like the first three or four songs. It was all right. It was good. It was solid. I don't, yeah, I don't think I have much to say about this album. Me neither. I mean, Crawling Kingsnake, that's a cool name of a song. That was like the first song on there. Um, it's by John Lee Hooker, great blues singer. He was in uh, the Blues Brothers, fun fact. I think a lot of people know that though. Um, Fork of this album 6.8. They all end in eight. How do they decide if it's a 6.7 or 6.8? They probably have a complex algorithm that is a dartboard in the pitchfork offices. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm excited what they're like. I feel like they're still making good music, they've been doing it for like 20 years. I think they seem like cool guys. Glad that they haven't broken up because there were some rumors yeah. that there were conflicts within the band, like during one of their guys' okay. divorce. But I think like taking those mini hiatuses probably helps them. Yeah, right. Seem like friends even during the hiatus. For sure, and it's kind of cool. Like they're just a two-person yeah. band too. Oh, you know, there was a song that I wanted to mention. I think uh, we talked about. I forgot about it, and I didn't know about it until today. But do you know. <laughs> 
talking a little bit about their hip hop collaborations earlier and how RZA was on their Black Rock album. RZA, I don't know if you remember this. I think I might have tried to make you watch this. RZA, yeah, RZA made a kind of what you're going to say called The Man with the Iron Fist. And the Black Keys were on the soundtrack for that with a song called The Baddest Man Alive, which is, again, them playing music and RZA rapping over it. Is it good? Really, really good. Really strong song. Probably the best Wu-Tang song I've heard in a while. And that's 2012. (laughs) Um, Okay, 2012. I got another fun fact to throw at you. You know who Patrick Carney is married to? You know, I have no idea. Is it Riza? No, you're close though. You remember Michelle Branch? No, who is that? Oh, she's like a early two thousands like pop slash singer songwriter person. If you play the song everywhere, you'll definitely recognize it. But I just thought that was so weird. I've been everywhere, <laughs> that's, man. No, that's I've uh, been everywhere, man. That's uh, like I don't know, insurance or something. Um. Wow, you're right. And P- Branch and Patrick Carney performed a cover of the song "A Horse with No Name" for the season four episode of BoJack Horseman, titled oh. "The Old Sugar Man Place." There you go, cover of America. Okay. I think he produced her album too. The couple live in Nashville with their children and Which two Irish wolfhounds. I wonder if they got Irish Wolfhounds because Jack White has Irish Wolfhounds. Actually, I have no idea if Jack White has it. <laughs> I mean, if I were him at this point, I would just keep screwing with him. Wait, no, they're friends now. The one, in crazy. 2019, when Black Keys released uh, Low High, one of their singles for Let's Rock, Birdman Records, which is Jack White's company, released a bunch of praise on social media, and then Patrick Carney in an interview said that you know, he had gotten to know Jack White for the six months before that. Jack White said, you know, it's really hard for a two-person rock band to get attention, so I wish them, like, all the success in the world and stuff with this album. Wow. So something happened between 2015 and 2019 where Jack White (laughs) matured. Don't know what it was. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know what it could be <laughs> he yeah well that's good i mean it kind of throws a wrench into our episode because uh there's no longer a feud but i am happy to hear that um you know probably by the time we record the next episode one of them will have released there'll some, be something else some so by, by jack white's got to tweet something negative about the black keys <laughs> 